Why God gives us vision today in the Weekly Kingdom Outlook. Let's go. Hey, greetings, folks. God bless you, and I pray that you are just having a great week. This is the week of Christmas coming up. Today is Monday, the ooh, the 19th. It's almost here, isn't it? Had a wonderful service yesterday. A lot of things we went over. Uh, I'm going to keep hitting this thing on vision. And I think that um, the reason um, we need renewed vision in the, in the church, in the church... Um, globally and not just a church locally. I think we needed that too. I mean, every church locally needs to have a vision that comes into the whole plan of God and why that's important, why that's fundamental and why, because it's lacking so much, does it create such a, a spirit of compromise in the church? You go, oh, how does a lack of vision create compromise? Well, let's just put it this way. If Let's say I want to save up for a house. Okay, I need, let's say I need $20,000 to save up for a house. But I don't really have a vision for the house. I'm not sure I really want the house. Um, I'm going to have a real tough time saving for that house. I'm going to I'm gonna lack the discipline I need and the conviction of, of, of my... Um, in my heart to actually go through because saving can be a pain. You know, you might want to buy stuff now. You might want to other things and the temporary thing. And vision helps us to counteract that. All right. Now let's go through some scripture and <clears throat> I'm still got this cough. I'm so sorry if it, if I have to look like I'm just trying to catch my breath, it's, it's almost gone, but Still a little nagging, so keep me in prayer if you would. All right, Proverbs 29, 18. <clears throat> I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Um, but, he <clears throat> but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, Enviable is he. Let me just say this to you. Now, we'll get this in a couple translations just for fun. Um, in the um, King James Version, um, or New King James, because that's the one I normally read out of, we'll, um, we'll look there real quick and grab that one. Uh, it says this. Uh, this is in the, I'm sorry, this is in the RASB. Where there is no vision, the the people are unrestrained. Okay? So it says here, uh, where there's no vision, uh, the people perish. Okay? Unrestrained is probably a better uh, thought process of it. Because uh, what it's saying is, if, if we cast off vision uh, of what the kingdom is to look like for us, where we're supposed to go in that kingdom... Um, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 20, 19, where there is no revelation, 
uh, the people cast off restraint. That's the New King James Version. Now, why is this important? Because if you're not careful, um, <clears throat> if you're not careful and you don't keep vision in front of you, what God has called us to. Now, I did this yesterday, so go listen to Sunday morning's message. We had a wonderful opportunity to ordain Stella Hart. She's been a, I've known Stella almost 20 years. Um, and Stella was our children, our youth pastor uh, back in 2008 to 2010, somewhere in there, 11, somewhere in there. And she's a daughter in the Lord. Uh, um, her and her husband now live in Houston. She has three beautiful kids. And um, it was just time. You know, I, I uh, keep in contact with her quite frequently. She's been developing in the Lord and maturing in Christ. And it was time to ordain her. And we ordained her as a prophet. She is a prophet. She's going to even now, you know, now it begins. Now she gets to um, <clears throat> fully step into what God has called her for. All right. So... If you don't have a vision, you won't get anything completed. Look, what, what is the first thing that goes into building a house? It's not blueprints. It's a vision. And God has a vision for the earth. And there's <clears throat> all these other people trying to pervert that vision. And without vision, and, and you'll compromise your journey. I love Paul. I love Paul's heart. I love Paul's, because, um, you know, anyone can sit there and go, well, that's Jesus. Jesus said, look, at Jesus was without sin. You know why? Not because he was the son of God. Because he had vision. It was for the joy set before him he had earned the cross. And that's what it says in Hebrews, that... We have resisted sin to the shedding of blood like Jesus did. And I mean, he's the perfect sacrifice and all that. But I want to show you Paul because sometimes we, um, you know, we go, oh, that's Jesus. But let's look at Paul, what Paul says. Now, um, we're going we're gonna to read two places in here. We're going to read Acts chapter 9, okay? I'm going to read out the Amplified today because I... I I just started reading out Amplified just so we listen a little better. Wait, well, what do you mean? Well, if you always read out New King James, then you know maybe you don't listen to what the Bible is saying because you already know what it says. I, I'm, I'm reading through for like the 20th time now. I'm now reading the Bible all the way through in the RASB. Never done that one before. And so what I'm trying to do in myself is to... Uh, think. And I, I mean, I tell you, when I do this, I find so many things I never saw before because they use a different word. Just like I was just showing, uh, just in the new King James to King James, where there is no revelation, King James says where there is no vision. Okay. And some say perish and some, and one says perish. New King James says to cast off restraint. The other one says they perish. So it's, it's, you, you start seeing different words used, then you start searching them out and getting understanding. But let's turn to Acts chapter nine. We're going to, we're going to go past where Paul had his conversion. Um, so uh, we can talk about some other things in this. Okay, Paul had his conversion. He got, well, Paul had his confrontation with God. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> start at um, 
Verse 10. Now there was in Damascus a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, Here I am. Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and ask at the house of Judas for a man of, uh, of Taurus named Saul. For behold, he is praying there. And he was seen in a vision, a man named Ananias entered and lay, and lay hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many people tell about this man, especially how much evil and what great suffering is brought on your saints at Jerusalem. Now he is here and has authority from the high priest to put in chains all who call upon your name. But the Lord said him, Go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and descendants of Israel. For I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer for my name's sake. Okay. So God says, I'm going to reveal this to him. And Paul, when he's standing in front of King Agrippa, and he's having this, he's telling King Agrippa this whole vision. Okay, he's recounting this, how he met God on the road, how Jesus appeared to him. And, and he says this, and I want you to get this. I want you to hear this, because this is key for your life. He says in verse 19, Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Why is vision important? Why? Because you, you know, some for some Christians, oh, it's always just about love. Just gotta love people, just love people. But it's but that that love is sometimes really masquerading. Listen, it's not love, it's the fear of confrontation. It's the fear of having to stand on God's side when it might separate you from loved ones. It is sometimes, see, when people sit there and say this, I, it boils down to two things. Love God, love your, love your neighbor. And it, look, let me just tell you what really brings. A, Amy Grant just announced that her and Vince are going to host their, her niece's gay wedding on their farm. And she, and, and number one, she said, well, you know, I just it just boils down to this, that we love God and love our neighbor. Okay, it does. But what does it mean to love God? <clears throat> does it mean condoning, endorsing sin? In other words, can I still, can you still love your niece and say, honey, I love you. But I can't endorse that behavior or that, uh, that, that sexual behavior or that lifestyle. I can't endorse it. I love you, but I can't endorse that. You know what? We don't have a problem. This is what's funny. is What if that niece committed murder? Would we go to her and sit there and say, oh, it's okay? Or would we, would we be able to say to that person, I love you, but what you did is sin? You killed somebody. You murdered somebody. Why is it so difficult when it becomes sexuality? We don't have a problem. I don't think we have a problem when it comes to you robbed someone, you stole from someone. But some reason, and this is the, this is the, the door, this is the door, listen to deception, and it's going to swing on the hinge 
of compromise. When you begin to compromise, you're opening the door of deception into your life like you would never believe. I, I just like, what sexual sins are we going to allow before we say enough? Okay, it's homosexuality. What are we going to do about bestiality? What are we going to do about pedophilia? Where's the line? Because see, once you sit there and say, listen to me, Christian, once you sit there and say that this no longer is the basis for it, what God says is sexually uh, perverted and sin, and you say this is no longer the God line, then I tell you the truth, you have no grounds, moral grounds to sit there and say pedophilia is wrong. Because who are you? What are you going to go to? Because you might go, well, society says it's wrong. Society is going way away from that being wrong. There's a whole push on the alphabet soup side that wants to sit there and make pedophilia a normal thing. <clears throat> is it sin? Well, she's my niece and I want to love her. Loving her, yes. We're to love our enemies. But loving our enemies, listen to me. Loving our enemies is not participating in their sin. Now you might go, well, I'm not participating in it. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. This is one that, it's one thing, look, it's one thing if I go to a bar and I sit down and talk to a friend, he's having a drink. Now I don't drink, but let's say he's having a drink. I don't drink. Okay. But I'm not, let's say, I see it's so hard. You really can't endorse it. Well, Jesus was with drunkards. Yeah, but Jesus, no one said in the Bible, they were all drunk. That's what, the, that's what they were. All the fishermen were probably drunks and foul-mouthed because that's normal. I don't even know how much they were really like that, even in Israel, to be honest with you. Now, I'm sure amongst the Romans and amongst the uh, Gentiles, they were. The Jews, you know, they had a sense of morality. Even the fishermen did. I mean, look at Peter knew when he saw Jesus and the, the fish came in a boat, he knew he was a sinner. Okay. My, my point being is that we have got to stop. Now, here's the big reason. Sexual sin is committed against the body. And you're bringing it into the body of Christ. And there is a high price to pay that some people are not going to make it on the day of judgment because they compromise the body of the Lord. Oh, no, Lou. No, because they believe in Jesus. I'm just telling you, Jesus has a different metric for faith than we do. Has a different metric than that. I believe there's going to be people who are going to make it that you didn't think were going to. And I believe there's a lot of people who think they're going to make it and aren't going to. I think God is extremely merciful, but God is not compromising. There's a whole difference of that. There's a whole difference of God's mercy. But here's the thing. Let's just say that niece who's homosexual says she's homosexual. She's marrying her lover. Okay. And you go, but God's merciful. No, no. God is not as merciful on her. Because she does not admit her sin. Here's the difference. 
Mercy comes in judgment. Mercy does not come when you think you're innocent. Mercy is what you receive when you're found guilty. Not what you receive because God just gives you mercy. The reason there is mercy in the earth the way there is, is because of the righteous people. The uncompromising righteous who are upholding society. Now I get this. This is why I'm not into Christian performers. Christian singers. Like they have a label. I'm not into it. Why? Because they're always the most with the great influence in the to the young to young people, but there always seems to be the compromise that comes along with that segment of the church. I'm not talking about worship leaders. I'm talking about those who aren't worship leaders. They're just Christian singers and artists. And we see this over and over again, the compromise when it comes to this. They don't want to answer. Why? Because that whole society, that whole segment of influence has compromise in it. It has homosexuals in it. It has uh, same-sex marriage in it. There's record labels and all this, and they're not all Christian. The, the, for 2023, let me explain something to you. Compromise has got to get out of the church. We can no longer stand by and have compromise. Jesus said this, if your brother sins to go to your brother, if he does not repent, then take it with two or three witnesses. If he does not repent, take it before the church. If he still won't repent, kick him out of the church. That's what Jesus said. Does that sound like Jesus said sin is okay in the church? It doesn't sound like it, does it? It doesn't sound like it. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 5. It doesn't sound like compromise was a good thing. We are to be holy as he is holy. And that means walking out in righteousness, the, the righteousness given to us in faith. I, I, I remember asking this like 20 years ago. What sexual sin are you okay with me as being a leader having? What are you okay with? Would you be okay with me having a girlfriend on the side? Well, you know, that, that depends on my wife. What if I wasn't married? What if I'm just a single, a single minister? Are you okay with me sleeping with girls while I travel? Are you okay with that? And, you, and this is what I always hear from people. Oh, no. Oh, no. Why? Why is, why don't I have, why is the same law not applying to me that's applying to homosexuals? I love people. I do. And when I'm, and look, and I have, I, I mean, I tell this all the time, like I worked with homosexuals as an air traffic controller, <coughs> excuse me, as an air traffic controller. I remember telling this one supervisor, she was one of the best supervisors I ever had. Loved working for her. And I would tell her every day, I'm praying for you. And she went over to one of my friends. She goes, he says, I'm praying for you. He's praying for me. Oh, he said, yeah, he most likely is. Well, it wasn't for naught. I left that job in 06. In 2015, she messaged me and said she gave her life to Christ. It wasn't for nothing. 
I was uncompromising, but I loved her, but I never condoned the behavior. Never once did I condone the behavior. Now, she wasn't a Christian. She wasn't in my church. I never condoned the behavior. Ben Shapiro was asked by Dave Rubin, who's gay, married to a man, and he asked him, would you come to my wedding? And now he's already married. So if I was getting married, would you go to a gay wedding? And, and Ben said no. And Dave was shocked. But what, what, what I love that Ben said that, he said, I can't condone that. We can't endorse that lifestyle. Now, he was on his show being interviewed. Ben's like, hey, we could sit and have a friendship like this. But, but I'm not endorsing the behavior. If you ask me to come to a gay party, Ben's like, I'm not coming. Why is that so difficult? Yes, it might upset someone. Yes. What do you think is upsetting the world right now? They don't want the Bible because the Bible is shining light on their darkness. And they do not want it. They want darkness. They love darkness. They love their deeds in the dark. And the problem with a lot of compromising ministers is a lot of them, listen, let me prophesy this to you. A lot of them had pedophilia. A lot of them are having sexual sins. They're having affairs. They're homosexual. And a lot of these things are going to be exposed in 2023. A lot of these are going to be confronted and exposed in 2023. <clears throat> and I, I don't want that for anybody. To actually, I want people to repent. You, you know, Some people might say, well, Lou, how could you say this? You minister with Todd Bentley. Well, number one, I confronted Todd on everything. By the way, just so you know, I haven't said this in a while, but I literally went through everything that was in the letter of accusation against Todd. I sat him and Jessica down and went through every single thing. And everything that was um, that I had no evidence or they said they didn't do was one thing. And everything that Todd said, yeah, I did this, Todd publicly apologized for that and asked for forgiveness. And that was text, loose texting and stuff like that. He didn't have an affair. He didn't have a homosexual relationship. They didn't have an open wedding bed. And I'm going to tell you this. They implemented a lot of changes in their ministry that I asked for. A lot of them they made changes to. So that they would have a more clean, flowing uh, structure of their ministry. Uh, uh, I, I asked for a lot of things. And there were some things that they, they did. Not only that, they repented and God showed up and refired and rekindled the fire in them. They, I'm so proud of Todd and Jessa because I am all for restoration, but not without repentance. Not without repentance. I confronted him on everything. By the way, up to this day, it's been... Three years now, and I've never seen one piece of evidence of a sexual sin. Not one. Not one. Me, Michael Fickus, Todd Bentley, Rick Joyner. We haven't seen one. It has never been presented to us. Ever. <coughs> oh, there's been accusations. I also have a tape where somebody was threatening people to say certain things, otherwise he would expose their sin. Now, I'll tell you what I did have. I did have a lot of those accusers were actually in sexual sin. Some of them are now divorced. They got caught. 
And I don't want it for them either. Okay? I want us all to come to the truth that Jesus is holy. And if the, look at, if the cross did not change us, then nothing's gonna. See, the problem is people think the cross just replaced, you know, was a sacrifice for our sins. The problem is it was the place we were supposed to be. Everything we had done, that's our punishment. And if that doesn't affect you, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and endured the most brutal beating in history, I don't know what's going to. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what will at that point. Do not compromise. Get your vision. Spend time in prayer. I laid out a lot of the vision for the gate church yesterday, and I'm going to refine some of those. Like I'm going to go over each one of those more and more as we go. And so you can have, like, we're, I'm going to do one on uh, win one, send one. Uh, I'm going to do one on elevate. I'm going to do one on prepare the way. Uh, I'm going to do one on these things that we're building up because I want us to have vision. But I also want you to know there's forgiveness and healing and wholeness in Christ. And if you're struggling with some of this stuff, call Denise and Jerry Grubb. Call them and say, look, I'm struggling in this area. Will you guys meet with me and do some counseling and pray over me and get me free from some of this stuff? Look, we've se- I've seen, man, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen God uh, deliver the most demonic people. But this is what it takes takes you humbling yourself. Just humble yourself. Say, God, see, to me, this word, see, I, man, it's just been over 33 years. December 4th was 33 years. This, this Bible, this, the scriptures mean so much to me. They have shaped me. They have fashioned me. They have been like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. It has helped me understand so many things. I don't know if I was covering my mic there with that. It's helped me cover so, you know, understand. I, had, I, I was a ship being tossed about by every wave, every wind of doctrine. And yet, this scripture, this book of God's word is life to me. I eat it every day. It means that much to me. So... Let me just say that. Don't compromise. It's costly. It's costly to you. Be faithful to the heavenly vision. I talked about what our main vision is yesterday. And we'll talk about some other stuff down the road. I love you. I want you to have a Merry Christmas. We're going to do another message for Christmas. Bring my wife in here. She's going to say, we're going to pray over you for Christmas and just wish you a very Merry Christmas. But this is just for our weekly video. I love you. I want you to know, it doesn't matter what sin you've done. I love you. And I, too, want to offer you the free gift of salvation in Christ. The redemptive power of his blood. The washing of the word, the blood, and the baptism. The filling of the Spirit and new life in Christ Jesus. That's what I want to give you. I love you. God bless you. You have a great day. Bye-bye.